Welcome to Driver to Driver, a Stokes Trucking Podcast. On Driver to Driver, we will discuss everything related to trucking and put a Stokes Trucking spin on it. Stokes Trucking, doing the right thing since 1979. Hey, welcome everybody to episode 18 of Driver to Driver, a Stokes Trucking Podcast. I am your host, Mark Laver. I am joined again by my part-time co-host, full-time producer, Grace Laver. And this episode is going to be themed around Utah State football. Go Aggies. Guaggies. I Mike hate hates that. it. I do too. <laughs> it's dumb. So we've only got a couple segments. Uh, the only driver in this episode of the podcast is going to be Mike Larson. We are going to talk to him about his Aggie fandom, and I'm <laughs> pretty excited. I'm a I'm a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan through and through. They are my team. I mean, I cheer for the Aggies because I drive the football truck, the Aggie football truck. I want them to do well. They pay the bills around this joint, really. But I am a Husker at heart and always will be. Mike makes my Husker fandom look amateurish. Mike is without a doubt the biggest Aggie fan I know. I'm really glad that we did get the contract to haul Utah State's football equipment. And he's had the opportunity to do that for, for this will be the second year. Hopefully this year goes a little smoother than the first year, which coincided with COVID. That was a bit... Um, how would the kids say it? A show. <laughs> it was a show. Not through anybody with equipment's doing, by the way. They they have been wonderful. Just last year. It was just, can we erase 2020? <laughs> can we just get a do-over? New calendar. Mm, well, it doesn't seem to be trending quite how we'd like it to trend, Grace. Anyway, Grace... Any comments on Mike's segment? Did you have you listened to it yet? Mm-mm. I I uh, I'm not sure that I'm done editing this 100. percent So we may be recording this prior <laughs> to the edits being made. Grace does a lot of the heavy lifting on um, sound quality and things like that, and I edit for content quite often. Make sure we don't put anything out there that we as a company maybe shouldn't be representing so yeah i've been talked to a time or two about a couple things i've let slip out there maybe yeah (laughs) like because i'm involved i'm involved there has not been a recording on here that i haven't been involved in in one way or another so i tend to think it's all good Mm -hmm. right um uh, obviously there's been some things recorded that i'm not going to make public but for the most part most of what we record i'm I'm really excited for other people to hear since i'm in it i think it's awesome (laughs) like tony soprano yeah (laughs) you may dress like him i i wear shorts the boss doesn't wear shorts nope that's even like it's part of the, the sopranos if you look it up on imdb there's a whole thing you know, boss, the, the Don doesn't wear shorts. Why? Because you wouldn't be caught dressed like that. The, bo- the boss is supposed to dress nice. Like, In a striped 
shirt. Yeah, several. There's several episodes of Sopranos where Tony's in like a tracksuit. Nope, that's not acceptable as the boss. Not out in public. You can wear that. You can wear that stuff at home. You don't wear that stuff out in public. So by me wearing shorts often, that's that's a no-no. One of the captains might get me. <laughs> All right, so. Yeah, the first segment's with Mike Larson, and I'm not going to get too much into telling you how how he became an Aggies fan or why, because quite frankly, I don't understand it at all. But it is what it is, and I love Mike to death. So here we go with a segment with Mike Larson. Grace? Let's roll. So, the next, this is the fun topic, too. <laughs> We've got to talk about the super fan. The USU, yeah. The super USU fan that yeah. is Mike, Mike Larson. How did, how, did we, how did that come about? Because we, we, I remember the first thing I said, we should hold the USU equipment. And you're like, we own the USU equipment. <laughs> um, and then slowly and gradually... Here we are. So let, let's rewind a ways. Uh, in 2017, when my son was walking on at USU, at mm-hmm. one point in time, I had tracked down email addresses for the athletic director in charge of equipment and Mike Bear. Anyway, mm-hmm. I didn't know. <clears throat> I didn't know who Mike Bear was. At that point in time, I just found him on the website somehow. I had an email open and composed to those two guys asking about hauling their equipment. But, you know, in the spring of 2017, I thought my son was going to be walking on the football team and probably be playing by 2018, 2019. So I figured I had some time here. But I really wanted to do that. Yeah. And... It was one of those nights, it was like one of them Wednesday or Thursday nights when I was there until seven or eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to have time to do this. There's just, I'm not going to have time for this. So I I deleted the email. I closed it. So then you come to work for us. (laughs) Super fan. (laughs) How did that go down? You asked me, and I pretty much give you the finger, and then yeah. pretty soon you got Mike Bear's phone number from your brother, right? His email. His email. That's yeah. What it was. And so I emailed him, and I said, hey, what do we got to do to haul the equipment? And then he emailed me back, and he says, well, the contracts we'll send out for a bid in, in uh, February, March, something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, I'll, I'll get you on the list. Make that sure would have been like, what, fall of 2019, out. right? November. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it November or December when we had a phone conversation with him? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I let that brew for a couple of months. I was trying to figure out how to bring nice. that up with Val and Tyler and sell them on it. Right. Right. I had to sell them on it. And that was, I don't think I did a very good, well, I must have done a good enough job of selling it. 
Yeah. But I think there was a little bit of, there's a little piece of Al where he was like, okay, I'll just let these two idiots do this. Fifty fifty chance they don't get the contract, and if they do, yeah. I'll just let these two dumbasses deal with it. Yeah, I don't know why they want to do it. You know, yeah. we'll see where it goes. Like maybe it'll just keep them happy and shut them up. <laughs> <laughs> but then when we got the bid and um, we got the the RFP, the request for pricing. You yeah, know, and Becky went through it, and um, bless her heart, she knows how to put together a proposal way better than I do because it would have, mine would have looked pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah. It, it looked pretty nice when she was all done. And mm-hmm. what do you know? The day I got chased out of Detroit because COVID hit was the day I found out we got the contract. That's right. Yeah. And the COVID year sort of sucked. It was fun. Boise was fun. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the Vegas game this year. Yeah, that'll be fun in the new stadium. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think that's going to be. I can't wait to see what the facilities are like for the truck. Yeah, how about they're like um, Colorado Springs? I mean, like back in the Bay, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Now oh, we got some good games. Washington State. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to going to New Mexico twice. I love New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love I, it down there. I live it's there. not Clovis. I lived there for two years. So Yeah, but you lived... Where oh. you lived is barely New Mexico. That's pretty much... <laughs> it's, it's You lived right next to Texas's... <laughs> that's where you lived. Yeah, it felt like it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really like Albuquerque. I like Las Cruces, too. You know, me and Becky went down there couple of years ago for a conference and yeah, out I remember for an that. extra day. You went to White Sands. And yeah, I really like it down there. Yeah. We went down there once. We went down there. I could totally move down there and make meth. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Shoot, yeah. We went down there for the New Mexico Bowl. And we yeah. went to this restaurant where like all the athletics people were at. Mm-hmm. And we got these burritos that were like complimentary. My dad had to ask the waiter for milk because he was because it was so oh, spicy to him. You were hot. I bet I drank. Has, has he told you I make fun of him all the time? We do. <laughs> Whenever we're gonna get Mexican, I'm like, make sure you get a side of sugar for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not spicy, is it? Oh my gosh, that's something. You're such oh, a wimp. That that was so hot. I probably I probably drank like six beers in like a half an hour trying to cool down. Well, you just do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! So, uh, um, how did you become a a super fan? I don't know. Well, I wasn't really when I was young. I mean, when I was younger, uh, my grandpa, and my dad. I mean, we always used, they always used to bring us over to games, but I wasn't really a super fan. Um. I wasn't really a fan until J.C. Carroll, watching J.C. Carroll, <laughs> and we we uh, me and my brother He's bought kind of recent. Well, it what twenty eleven twenty ten, yeah maybe. No, it was he was there two thousand eight. I want to say two thousand eight, 
Um, so we did, me and my brother got season tickets. We started buying season tickets to basketball. Well, football still sucked, but we bought football season tickets. Um, Brent guys last year, and we mm. were horrible. Mm-hmm. We were horrible. But then we hired Gary Anderson. So, but, but that Brent guys last year, it was kind of cool because, you know, we had to stay in ourselves. So <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> sit, sit wherever you want. Less people there than the Bear River game. Yeah, it was it was great. So <laughs> then Gary Anderson shows up, and that was, and then from then on it was like we we turned to switched. And we were the the first couple of years we weren't great, but we were competitive in like every mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. and we kicked the wise ass. The first, you know what? That was the year I was gone. I was driving for Pride. Because I was watching it in in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Really? Or no, Davenport, Iowa. Yeah. And him and Angie went to the game. And uh, Chucky Keaton, we kicked the shit out of him. No, no, it was DeAndre Burrell. DeAndre Burrell. Chucky Keaton committed that game. The first USU game I remember watching was the Auburn game. That they almost won. But, yeah. like, they were going to win. So I remember texting with a guy that was in my wedding, one of my best friends. And yeah. and he's like, oh, my God, I think they're going to win this game. And I was like, oh, my God, I think they're going to win this game. And then I was like, oh, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that still hurts. That still hurts. Yeah, that, that was Chucky's first game. We went to a game not long after that. Maybe the week or two after that, we went to our first Aggie game. And it was... Stadium was pretty full, and we sat right by the students. And it actually really impressed me how into it the students were. Yeah. Like I say, it was just like Gary Anderson brought this energy. I mean, it was like you knew we were going to be something. Like, we weren't winning, like, those first couple of years. Like, I think we only won, like, four games a year. But we were competitive. Mm-hmm. And we knew it was, we were, like, right there. And so, yeah, I mean, ever since, I just, I don't know, I love it. I, for Nebraska, I mean, everybody, almost everybody who grows up in Nebraska is a Nebraska fan. Mm -hmm. I know, like, five people (laughs) that, I know one guy that actively cheers against them, but he does it just because he's an ass. Like, that's his, that's his deal. He's an, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's different out here. We've talked, we've had our talks about <laughs> how it's weird. Cause there's three, three schools in state and one is tied to the predominant religion. So you're going to mm-hmm. have like in Nebraska cat there's where I grew up. I went to school with as many Catholics as like my kids went to school with LDS kids. Right. There, it was 65, 70% Catholic. So there's a lot of people in Nebraska that are Notre Dame fans. Right. They just are. Yeah. They, they cheer for Nebraska too, but really at, at heart, they're Notre Dame fans. Eh. Yeah. So I sort of get it. Yeah. It's, uh. <laughs> but you have this hatred for BYU <laughs> that I almost can't describe. <laughs> that, yeah. I'm, I worry about you. I, I think it's dangerous for you. Really? Yeah. It probably is. Yeah. They, 
They don't hate you, Mike. Oh, I hate them, though. I hate them. With <laughs> I hate them. No, it's because if you look back, like Lavelle Edwards was an Aggie, and then he went down there, and then they got a fake national championship. <laughs> I mean, right? Well, it's not fake. They actually have a trophy oh. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Did they play anybody? They have a stronger claim to a national title than Utah State does. Well, yeah. Okay, then. It's all right. I mean, hey, Michigan says they're national champions in 1997. I strongly disagree with that assessment. But I don't hate Michigan because of it. No, I, I it's hate sort of it. Silly of I hate it because it should have been Utah and Utah State. That's who it should have been. Like, but Utah partnered with BYU. Well, BYU's always thought they were better than Utah State. They've always tried to keep us down. They would never let us join the conference. They would never let us, you know, they never wanted us. They won't play in a conference with us. They would never come to the Mountain West. Never. Because they're, they're better than us. Is it because? So it's that attitude that drives me bat crazy. Is it because of the colors? Is that why? They stole our colors. <laughs> but I think they're going back to their original colors. I don't know. What are their original colors? The the light blue. Royal blue. Royal blue. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just... No, it's that overall arrogance of that they're so much better than everybody else. Utah's kicked their ass, what, nine, nine years in a row? Nine years in a row now? And they still think they're better than Utah. So, so what stadiums have you been to? Like to actually watch a game? Yeah. Have not, you just been to Nebraska many. and not here? Not very many, yeah. yeah. You don't go to away games? Uh-uh. Ah. Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, because yeah, you live down there. Yeah. Um, I went and watched not just Nebraska play at Missouri. We, we watched several games there. Um, I hardly went, ever went to Nebraska games, though. I was always working. Wouldn't that be something if we signed you to play in Nebraska? We'll get a drive out there. Mm. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. The first, here's a little piece of trivia for you. So I graduated high school in 93, went to college at UNL from 93 to 97. The first Nebraska football game I ever went to was in 2004. Really? I was a hu- I'm a huge fan. But you never went to I was always games. working. It was too expensive to go. I was working weekends. And so, you know, and every game was on TV, so I'd just drink beer and watch it on TV. Hmm. But even when I was in college, though, I was working. That's how, these guys don't know how good they got it here. You can go to a game for 20 bucks. No, they don't. They don't have a clue. They don't. Uh. The, the So in that... I, so in Nebraska, you know, you've got 80,000 plus people in the stadium. Mm-hmm. 8,000 of them are students. There's 8,000 students at an Aggie game too, but there's only 20,000 people at the game. Yeah. Tops. Yeah. Right? So the students have such a big influence on these games compared to what I know. Right. And there's a big, you can find it on Nebraska message boards, everybody bitching about the blue hairs. Because the blue hairs are the only ones that have enough money to buy the good tickets. Mm-hmm. But then they just sit there. Because they're 90. Like, 
You know, yeah. <laughs> they can barely walk the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to get up and scream. And... Yeah. So that that's every year that gets talked about how they need to get rid of the blue hairs. <laughs> Just let them sit in their own special section. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's some pretty serious talk that this year might be the year the sellout streak ends there. So. I don't know. I doubt it. So are you a fan of college football or are you just a fan of the Aggies? I'm a fan of college football. Yeah, mm-hmm. I usually watch most of the games just on Saturday, just turn on whatever's on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't follow like religiously and just like monitor what every team is doing and whatever, but like I like there's a few teams that I keep a close watch. Like on Washington, I mm-hmm. like to keep a look at like I cheer for Washington and then Tennessee. Like those are the two schools outside of Utah State that I actually cheer for. And coincidentally, those are two away games that we went to. <laughs> I want to take you, maybe this fall's the time to go. Nebraska, uh, the uh, the 9th of October, they have a home game. That's USU's bye weekend. Oh. They play Michigan. And oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, it'd, it'd be a good game to go to. Because it is kind of an exp- – it's like going – well, you guys went to Tennessee and LSU, right? It's like it's like that. Yeah. 80,000 people <laughs> all cheering for the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's something, um, especially since Nebraska sucks so bad. LSU, it was, it was so early in the morning. It was like a 10, 10 in the morning game. Oh, that'd be tough. Yeah. So the crowd, like, really wasn't – it wasn't full. No tailgating. And you didn't really get a tailgate. I mean, I was. Let's drink spice rum at seven in the morning. <laughs> of course, you were, Mike. They had it at the tailgate. <laughs> I don't know. Does he know the Nebraska history? The sellout streak? I know the sellout streak. I know it's been going on for like a long time. It's 1962. Dang. That's crazy. <laughs> they get 80,000 idiots to buy a ticket to every game since 1962. <laughs> Even when we lose, we're still buying tickets. And, and I'm talking about buying tickets. Like I, I told him, it's like some neuroses we, we all have or something. <laughs> that why, why am I still a fan yeah. of them? They suck. They've been terrible. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, that's how it was last year. For, well, like I mean, there's been a few years that they've been pretty bad. Utah State. Yeah. But like it's cold and it's raining, but... For some reason, I still go. I haven't missed a I haven't missed a home football game since 2012. No kidding. Yeah. Well, since we've had season tickets, like even when my mom was in the hospital, what 2016, <laughs> and my dad was down there with her, me and my cousin Chase. And even when my mom was in the hospital, <laughs> I haven't missed a game since. Hey, mom, get well. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mike, um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming over. Thank you for for coming to work for us. Thank you for learning how to dispatch. You bet. Thanks for driving and yeah. goading me into <laughs> applying yeah. for the Aggie yeah. gig. And I, I could go on and on all night long about all the things I need to thank you for. Boy, look at us now. Everything has changed since I came on board. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like locked into Utah for the rest of my life. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. I try.
Next up on the podcast is going to be Bo Bates. This was a segment that Mike Larson and myself recorded with Bo earlier this summer when he had a uh, free minute. Bo is the main equipment guy at Utah State. I don't know. I don't know exactly what his title is, or if he has it. I'm sure he has a title. Um, but he takes care of. Essentially, he's the head man in charge of all the football equipment for the team for year-round, right? It's a year-round gig for him. He's got a couple helpers that are full-time, but mostly it's student assistants that just work during season. And all these folks put in monster hours. Like, uh, during the season, it's, it's stupid the amount of time they work. Every day, seven days a week. I saw on Aggie Handshake that you can make $10 an hour doing the football team's laundry. No way. No way would I do that job for $10 an hour. Mom said I should do it so I can get a boyfriend. So the reason they do that and they can get people to work for that amount of money is they're they're fans, right? And maybe not... Aggie fans so much as they want to go work somewhere else. And we get into that with Bo a little bit, how he got started working in, in equipment when he was at Oregon, at the University of Oregon, and how his career's progressed. He's he's a younger fella. He's in, uh, I don't know if we talk about his age in this, but I, I'm going to say he's late 20s, maybe early 30s. And th- like this is going to be most likely his life's work is working in equipment and it might not you know might not stop at utah state he might go somewhere else think about all the professional teams that exist right um it's a fairly small group of people that work in equipment there's about 130 division one football programs there's about 800 total college football programs but then you know everybody aspires to work in the pros there's 32 pro football teams and that's how you get there is you work your way up from utah state to a power five program and and then up into the pros so here comes a segment with bo bates the equipment equipment manager for utah state football Did I ever tell you about the, the light up A that he bought? Mm-mm. No. Did you ever hear about the light up A that they sold? Hey, those things are cool. No. Okay. So the only, they, the only light up A I know of is, is the one on campus, yes, right? The big Old one. Main. Yeah. So somebody got the bright idea, and it's a cool idea. We're gonna sell this light up, this little miniature. What how tall is it? About that tall? No, it's smaller than it. Oh, it's, it's like four by. Yeah. It's only four like, inches. It's tall. like four, four by four, or something like that. So, so you you take this thing and then you plug it into your computer and you hook it to your Wi-Fi and you can put it in your window. And whenever the Aggies win, it turns blue. Yeah. Oh. Just okay. like old yeah, man. Okay, that's kind of right? cool. That's yeah, that's kind of cool. cool. And I I read it. And it's like how much was it? I don't remember. It was like twenty five bucks, something like that. <laughs> I'm reading about it. I'm like, who is going to spend good hard earned money on this thing? That guy. 
That guy right there. Yeah. You never know, man. There's a lot of true Aggies. It's sweet, though. We'll take, you know, the small trinkets and give it to kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It sits right in my foyer. Give it to kids. So game gets over, I walk upstairs, and it's lit up blue. Mm -hmm. Usually when the game gets over, you walk upstairs, and it looks just like it did when you walked downstairs. (laughs) Hey, it would be shocking. It would be shocking to see how much people um, want, you know, just different things. Because even in our program, like whenever we run into some family members um, asking about gear, I mean, everyone wants exclusive gear. Everyone wants exclusive gear. Really? doesn't matter what it is. I mean, I've seen some people buy some things that seem like doesn't matter to anyone. Mm. Like at Oregon, they do a surplus sale. Mm -hmm. I've seen them sell like a little tiny punch buggy car that was like decked out in organ gear. Really? And they, they sold that or like old lockers. Yeah. Old yeah. old locker room lockers. I if the Huskers sold old lockers. Like it depending on whose it was. Yeah, they sell they sell them like in the auctions and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably buy that. Yeah. All right. So anyway that Aggies twenty two is Brian Phillips. Brian Phillips. See, I told you it was Brian. I don't know. You've never met him. Yeah. He always does like interviews with the new recruits. Yeah, whenever yeah, somebody he's, commits. He's like the first to break him. it. He's I'm pretty not, good. I'm not too sure who, which that guy is. I only know Doug Hoffman. Uh, he doesn't work for the university. He does his own okay. thing. Well, I think he works for two, 247 or whatever, that recruiting. 24-7. Okay. Yeah. 247. It's the it's, same thing. It's the same. It's semantics. It's, it depends on where the slash is. <laughs> We're joined by Bo Bates, who's the equipment manager for the Utah State football Aggies. Do you get into the other sports at all, or is it just football? No, I just deal with football. Just football. I'm really, I'm really excited you're here. The Aggie project for us has been kind of a little pet project for me. It's been sort of hard <laughs> at times with COVID, as you well know, but I think we're past that. And we're ready to go. Pretty excited for the 2021 season. So, Bo, uh, how long have you worked in that role at Utah State? Um, Right now, the role has started somewhat of last year in July. I was assistant for the last two seasons and then it rolled over to me to take a bigger role and really just take care of the whole football team. And right now, it's just me doing just football. Just football. Yes. And there's one other gentleman that works with you full time. Yes. Uh, Brady. Brady. Then how many, you have some interns, some staff that works for you. Yes. Uh, 10 student equipment managers. Wow. Mm -hmm. How many players are on the team? Um, Roughly on a roster, it's anywhere from 105 to 120. So... Here's a, I'll be surprised if you know the answer, but I'm curious. How many pairs of socks do you guys go through in a season? Oh, that is a tough one. I'm sure I can go look it up yeah. on our sports off system and find <laughs> out how many socks we go through. <laughs> I mean, I know how much socks I order for, you know, the new season mm-hmm. and what comes in because our sports off system w- calculates it 
exactly to the T of what we issue out and what's with us. Oh yeah. So I would just have to go on my sports off system. So, so you're talking about, is that, that's the system you keep track all your inventory on? Yeah. It's an inventory system. Okay. Every player gets a whole bunch of swag, players and coaches and managers. What's everybody get for four or five different shirts, two or three pairs of shorts? Um, For the most part, usually they get a care package for fall camp, mm-hmm. especially with the whole new team, whole new staff. We really want them, especially since we're a Nike school. Mm-hmm. We're a Nike school, so we're supposed to wear the swoosh and um, all our gear has our Utah State logos so that whenever we do any type of training, running, lifting, we're in the right attire um, that has Nike gear and the Utah State logo on yeah. it. Yeah. You're working off season too all the time. But a lot of, you know, most your average fan thinks, what do these guys do the rest of the year? How is that a full-time job? But especially at college, I think college may be even more short so than the pros. It's year round with all the off season training that you do. And because it's so big, it's so much bigger than the pros. You're probably two to three times more people than a pro team. Is there ever a slow time for you? For the most part, there isn't really a slow time, especially with the whole COVID going on. Mm -hmm. The COVID year was very, very different. It was a lot of ifs on what was going to happen. So a lot of times we're, we, we, in, in the equipment industry, a lot, a lot of what we do is based on time. So there's always certain mm-hmm. things that come in on, t- on certain times. There's certain things that we have to meet, like deadlines for equipment gear, for orders. So throughout the year, you're, you're constantly trying to chase what's going to happen. So if you're in season, you're always chasing to the next thing. So while we're playing and getting or getting ready for one game, we're already trying to look forward to the next two or three games mm-hmm. and try and piece it all together mm-hmm. so that we're always ready for whatever is coming up next. Yeah. And, and you do quite a bit, even like right after the season gets over in December, January, you're probably ordering for spring camp, summer, fall camp, right? Yes. So we do our big orders usually around October, October, September-ish. And um, we always order a year before mm-hmm. for the whole new new year. Mm-hmm. So everything comes in usually within June and July for football. And then we're pretty much trying to get everything ready for the season and fall camp in that time. Who decides alternates? Alternate uniforms. Usually we have a few guys. Well, the past teams, usually you, I'll talk to the the main leadership committee. Mm-hmm. There's usually a group of guys out of the whole team that the coaches all pick. There's your captains on it, and then there's a leadership committee. And they'll usually, I'll ask them in the beginning of the week what they would like to wear for this upcoming game. And they'll all kind of collaborate on what they feel like would fit them the best. Mm-hmm. And I'll give them some input. And 
sometimes they take it, sometimes they don't. But, you know, usually we just work as a team to figure out what they want to wear. And we'll go from there. What about some of the special logos? Like a lot of times teams will do red, white, and blue for um, different holidays. How's that decided? Usually they'll, the the players will decide if they want to do like a different type of logo. Mm-hmm. And um, usually once, once they figure out what they want to do, we'll get it approved by the university and then uh, move forward on that. The university has, has approval on everything, don't they? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, so when we were putting the football truck graphic together, I had to get special permission to use the Utah State font for our for the DOT number and, and the VIN number on that truck. Yeah. Yeah, it was all crazy. It, it, it was a deal. <laughs> putting the graphics together for that truck was... Uh, one of the most challenging things I've ever done in trucking. And that's saying something. So, yeah. yeah, there's a committee. There's a committee that pretty much you turn in everything to with logos and any type of stickers or uniforms. Mm-hmm. And they have to give you approval to do anything. Utah, I, I honestly, since we've moved here, have they have some of the best alternates, just different graphics they use. I think it's wonderful, some of the things that they do with their uniforms. So, yeah, even when they're not winning, Mike. Hey, <laughs> had it down a couple of years. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm so excited to have the head equipment manager and the biggest Aggie fan I know <laughs> on the podcast together. It's great. Yeah. Aren't, aren't we due for a local change, though? I'm not too sure right now. I'm a big fan of the Utah State logo. That we rock right now. Yeah, the one um, we got right now looks good. I, I like that one. And we do use the the bull a lot. So mm-hmm. I, I like that logo as well. So I'm not too sure how that process works on getting new logos. But I'm a big fan of the logo right now. Yeah, because I think we got this one in, I don't know, 2011. I, think. I want to think back. Yeah, 11 or 12. So it's been about 10 years. Yeah, when we first moved out here, it was still... Uh, the U with the state down the side. Yeah. And then yeah. the A. And now it's kind of like the Ohio State look with the, just the U state. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a question before we turned, before I pressed record for him. Yeah. I was just asking um, if you started with Matt Wells or with Gary Anderson. I uh, started with Gary Anderson. I was going to I was just wondering what the difference between with, with Wells and with Anderson, you know, something. I'm not too sure. I haven't worked with Coach Wells, um, so I'm not too sure. So where were you? Where were you at before when Gary Anderson called you? Uh, before I was with University of Utah. So you came here when Gary Anderson came here. Then he just said, "Hey, Bo, you, um, I need you to come with me." When Gary Anderson got the head coaching job at Utah State, um, it kind of just worked out in the timing that there was a spot open at Utah State, and I just applied for it and ended up getting it. Ah, I see. Oh, I guess I'd never put that together that you weren't here under Wells. Yeah. That's when Caleb got recruited. Was under Wells? Yeah. Yeah, he committed. You know, yeah. Stacy Collins was the coach, but he was the special teams coordinator under Matt Wells. Yeah. yeah I never – that never tripped with me. That's why you didn't know who last he was. Year. Yeah, he would have been playing. 
And that's how I ended up back here because <laughs> I came over to a spring scrimmage and Caleb was playing. Yeah. And I ran into oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a good little story for you. The only way he ended up back at Stokes Trucking was because Caleb played in the spring game that year. And that goofy freaking Aggie fan, <laughs> I ran into him at the spring game. Yeah, the suites were open, and of course he's sitting up there in a suite. Yeah, and so of course. me and my kid, we're like, the suites are open. We're gonna go sit in the suite, check it out. And then we're walking back, and here come there's Mark standing right outside the suite. <laughs> after I ran into him, so he had driven for us. After I ran into him, I'm like, we needed a dispatcher. Man, I think Mike would he could do the job. Maybe we ought to So then I, I tell Val and pretty soon we contact Mike and what was it? Three, four months later, you were in the office. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot all about that. See, I probably wouldn't even have gone to the spring game, but I knew the the handwriting was on the wall. He wasn't. This was going to be the last time I ever saw him in pads was that spring game. Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> hey, that's okay. If I was there earlier, maybe he would have became a student <laughs> equipment manager, you know? <laughs> You never know. You you work hard. How many hours? How many hours a week do you put in during season? Hundred. It's a lot. Hard to say. It's a lot. Every week is different. Um, over forty for sure. <laughs> I tell you that much. <laughs> over forty for sure. I I have never. Other than if. Like dropping the trailer in the middle of the night. We did that a couple times last year. I have never been to the locker room when you weren't there. Not once. Yeah. Not ever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a second home. Equipment room is a second home. I didn't know home. you had a home. I yes. thought it was, you just have a cot there, yeah. don't you? It's a second home yeah. for me. Yeah, during the season, it seems like you never leave. Yes, definitely. Um Like I said, we're always trying to get ready for the next thing. So we work in the shadows and what we do. And um, honestly, that's a good day. Yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those jobs. If some, if they know your name, it's a problem. If, if they're, if they're calling for something, it might be a problem and usually is. (laughs) So if, if they're, if they're not calling your name, usually uh, things are going good. Yeah. So you're from Hawaii originally? Yes. And tell us how you tell us the route how you ended up sitting in my basement on a Saturday night talking about Utah State football. <laughs> that's a good story in itself. Right? I mean, I grew up in Hawaii. I was there for 18 years. Um grew up on the island of Maui. I was from Lahaina. Still am from Lahaina, but you know, currently living up in Logan, Utah. Um Went to University of Oregon, the Ducks. Graduated, um, was a student equipment manager for them. Um, Hang on a minute. I want you to tell a story about how you ended up as an equipment manager at Oregon. Yeah, right. Because oh, I think, cause I think were, this is one of the best. The, yeah. This is the best story about you. I mean, it's just crazy. Going up to Oregon, I pretty much went blind. I, I never really knew what the Ducks were. Did you have um, a scholarship or, there? Or no. What made you chose? Choose Oregon. Just just out of the blue, you know. Um, Did you choose them because they have cool uniforms? Well, actually, I didn't really know anything about them. Um, at first, I wanted to go to school for uh, architecture. So their their program at Oregon is really good. 
And it was either between Oregon State and the Ducks. And uh, former alumni from my high school came back. And he was talking to me about the schools. And he was just saying, you know, just trust trust your gut feeling of where you want to go. And he was saying, you know, he was alumni from the Ducks. So he was kind of pushing me, you know, to go there. He was saying, you know, their architecture program would fit me. And I remember asking him, like, what's what's the thing that everyone talks about when you say Oregon? Like, what's the school that pops up the most? He said the Ducks. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, that's that's it. I'm going to go to the Ducks. So I went up there, pretty much a uh, small fish in a giant ocean, mm-hmm. had no idea what anything was up there. Couple weeks into school, walk out of my dorm. A couple of Hawaii guys run into me, and they they said, uh, "Looking kind of lost." And I said, "Yes." <laughs> Is it that obvious? So, um, did they ask you if you're from Hawaii? Yeah, they was like, "Oh, you from Hawaii?" And I said, uh, "Yeah." They was like, "You looking kind of lost, man? You know where you going?" And I was like, "No." Um, so I met up with them. Uh, they said, "Why don't you follow us? You know, we'll show you the ropes." Um, the two guys was uh, Bronson Yim. He's a cornerback, and Mark Mariota was a quarterback. So, was it called? We just became friends instantly. You know, people from Mar- Hawaii. Mariota went on to quite a bit of fame. Yes, <laughs> obviously, yes, he did. <laughs> definitely, definitely, he was a r- tremendous quarterback yeah. in college, yeah, and bet. went on to the NFL, and is still awesome. But it was being from Hawaii. It was nice to know that older Hawaii guys, that's usually the thing. Uh, everyone in Hawaii is, is very um, giving and uh, they want to help each other out. So, they, you know, they seen another Hawaii person kind of lost and they helped me out through, through uh, <laughs> tough times. So, so Mariota, that, that those two guys were the football connection that how you ended up. So those two guys, you know, being from Hawaii, usually whenever other Hawaii guys meet other Hawaii guys, you know, you, you want to introduce them to all the Hawaii boys. Mm-hmm. So that's how I pretty much met all the Hawaii guys on the football team. So, you know, we, we all started hanging out in college and having a good time. And one day, you know, they're like, man, you you should just try and be one of us. And I was like, come on now. Like. <laughs> I, I definitely don't have the speed. Yeah, I'm not quite athletic yeah, enough. I'm not, I'm not like uh, Division <laughs> One athlete in, in height or any of that. But they're, they're saying, no, there's different opportunities um, as a equipment manager. So one of the boys that was really good friends with all of them, they're all best friends. They're all equipment managers. They're equipment managers, too, from Hawaii. What's it called? Uh, another player, Cole Kai, you know, helped me getting to contact with uh, the head guy mm-hmm. over there at Oregon, the head equipment manager. Mm-hmm. So all the, pretty much all the Hawaii guys, you know, spoke on my behalf to meet the head guy. So eventually I met the head guy at their Oregon surplus. And, you know, it was just a, a short brief, pretty much, you know, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. You know, th- my name is Bo. And uh, eventually, you know, the year came around and they had a kind of openings for tryouts. So did the application, got to the tryout, and pretty much made the squad. So hang on a minute. What's the tryout? 
Um, Hawaii for for an Oregon equipment manager. So the first thing is first, you know, you turn in your resume, cover letter, and being what Oregon is as a really, really good football program, you know, you catch a lot of eyes. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of people that, that are trying to be a part of the team. So one step to get onto the team is being an equipment manager. So you turn in your applications. There's tons of people that apply from year to year trying to get on. They usually select around eight or 10 to come on for spring ball to see how well you work in your specific player position. So out of the eight or 10 guys, you work the whole spring ball, spring camp, and then they try to figure out if, you know, you're cut out for the job, how how well you gel with the former managers that have been there for a while and just see on a day-to-day task on how well you work out on the field. So what's a daily task the equipment, one of the equipment managers, one of the students would do? Well, first things first, usually report time is 6 a.m. So the well, biggest we, thing. You got a few truck drivers that wouldn't, they wouldn't yeah, cut it as quick. They wouldn't make it. The, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing um, is definitely being on time. Um, b- being <laughs> we need to hire former equipment managers yes. to drive trucks. Right? That's what we need. Right? Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> being in equipment, like I said, everything is on time. So that's the first thing they, they look at is, uh, you know, if you're prompt and excited and bring a lot of energy, 6 a.m. for a lot of people are, is tough to report. Mm-hmm. Usually if guys are late. That's already, you know, a kind of a red flag that that person won't fit fit the crew. And being a student, you're there at different hours. You know, you're a lot of times we say we're the first ones in, last mm-hmm. one's out. Mm-hmm. So we're there to set up practice. So we'll report 6 a.m., get a briefing on what practice is going to look like, go over scripts. Usually uh, most teams script out practice and pretty much tell you exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and where it's going to happen. It's pretty much just a skeleton. So you're talking about like you're getting out balls and pads. Yes. Yard mark, cones, anything they're going to use. Every position. So usually we'll, before that, we'll talk to each position coach and they'll tell us exactly what they want for a lot of times the coaches will even give us diagrams to show us what the specific drill looks like and the name of the drill. Mm. So as time goes on, they can just tell you what drill they want by name and you can set it up on the fly. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, when I was a student, they're definitely blessed to have three practice fields. So we'd set up all three practice fields, offense on one side, defense on another and special teams on the other one. And uh, pretty much every location where player specific position is needs to be set up properly, whatever drills they're doing throughout the day. So as a team comes out and the coaches comes out, all the drills are set up. Mm. So all they have to, cause there's a time, you know, constraint based on uh, NCAA rules mm-hmm. that they can practice per day. Mm-hmm. So the coaches definitely want to get the most reps in for each individual player. Yep. yep. So that um, there's no wasted time on them. Yeah. Cool. So after practice is done, 
you also take care of all the cleaning back up. Cl- yeah, all the all the cleanup. Yes, and- clean up the field, make sure everything's put away neat and nicely, and pretty much ready to go for the following day. And then we go in and do laundry for all the players. You know, a big thing is sanitization. You know, trying to make sure everything is clean. We give each individual player a loop that they can put their clothes on. They turn it into a bin. Okay, so you gotta you gotta explain. I know what it is, but you gotta explain what a loop is. A loop is pretty much just a like a like laundry a, bag, right? Yeah, yeah, a laundry bag. Some people have laundry bags, or it's kind of just like a piece of rope that has clips to it, and you can put clothes anywhere from shorts, shirts compression shorts, socks, gloves onto it. And what you do is you string it, string it on kind of like um, a fisherman stringing on fish mm-hmm. on their, their little rope loop mm-hmm. and they'll clip it on. And then each individual loop has a designated number that corresponds to each to, player to the player. Yep. So we'll wash it as wash it, dry it. As soon as they're done, we'll take each individual loop and turn it back into each player's laundry bin. Every equipment room usually has a laundry bin area where they can have individual lockers, like tiny ones, so that Mm -hmm. the towels and the loops can fit in. Mm -hmm. So that every time they have a run or a practice or a lift, the players have clean clothes so that they can train in it. So the players pretty much... They dirty the stuff up. They put it on a loop or in a laundry bag, dump it. You guys take care of it, and it goes back in their locker where it was originally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Logistic. I'm a logistics guy. I'm fascinated by it. I think it's really cool <laughs> what the equipment people have figured out to take care of that amount of of people, players, and make it run efficiently yeah not not mix up their laundry yeah it's it's to me it's pretty fascinating that was one of the things when caleb was being recruited we always went and saw the equipment people and i didn't understand why the hell we wanted to see the equipment people after the first couple times totally made sense because everybody has their own thing uh utah had everybody has a bag and you had a locker you shoved your dirty laundry in this locker you were there when he was being recruited by Utah. <laughs> and then you'd go back to that locker and pull it back out when it was clean. That like it was it was amazing to me how how everything was kept track of. Definitely. Definitely. Um it's just a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving oh, parts. Yeah. And like I said, with the with the players, we, we want everything moving at the right times. So they they, they have a lot of things they gotta do too. Because at first, you know, they're a student. So they're yeah. they're in school. They got to take care of business, you know, in the classroom, study for tests, do homework, do papers, and also be an athlete. So we try to make it easier for them, you know, so that uh, they can be in the right place at the right time. Thanks. How'd you end up in Utah? Oh, so at Oregon, you know, I graduated. Mm-hmm. And then um, I realized that. So what 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 what's your degree in? I graduated in psychology. In psychology. After graduating at Oregon, I realized that you know I had some former equipment managers that were older than me that um, became professionals. You know, went went to the NFL and 
went on to other universities to be full-time guys. So I realized, you know, wow, this is something you can be a, you know, a professional guy and um, turned into a career. So I realized, you know, that'd be something cool. So started putting out my feelers through um, NFL teams, got a few NFL teams contact me to go to their OTAs and uh, summer camps. So, so it's like, it's almost like tryouts, just like you're going to definitely go play. Yeah. It's definitely tryouts. I mean, there's a lot of people that try and get on to the teams and there's a small number that make it. It's amazing how hard people work to, to land one of the hardest jobs you could possibly have. Right. Yeah. It's, it might it's be one of the hardest, tough. but it'd be one of the funnest too. I well, think. I, yeah. I, I mean, I driving the equipment is, it's cool. It is. Yeah. It, it's cool. It just, it's just different, but still you, you're trying out to land this job. That's going to be a hundred hours a week when you're done. Right. Right. <laughs> um, this, this job is, is a, a lot of people say it's a thankless job, you know, but I don't see it that way. At, at the same time, yes, there's a lot of hours. There's a lot of things we do that makes no sense to people, but you got to love what you do. And I love what I do here as an equipment manager. Uh, every equipment manager, pretty much in the whole country, if they're in equipment managing and they're a full-time person, they love what they do. You you can't love you can't do this job without loving it. Yeah, you gotta you got you have a passion for it. Definitely. So you tried out with some NFL teams. Yes, sent it out. Was picked up. I was gonna go down to the Chargers. Was signed on to them. So after that, I got contacted. You know, by my head guy at Oregon and said, "Hey, you know, the University of Utah is looking for a guy." So I applied. Got the call from Utah, and they offered me the job as their full-time intern. And pretty much I took I took that job and went to University of Utah. So you, you, how long were you at Utah? I was at Utah for two years. And then USU was looking for not an intern, a full-time? Full-time guy, yes. There was an opening for a full-time guy. I applied and uh, went through the process and ended up getting picked up. So when we first met you, there was, I guess my impression was there was three people that were full-time in equipment and a couple things happened in COVID and now there's only two. Yes. There's just two of us. So, so you just, you, you and Brady, did you just split up <laughs> the hours of the third guy? I mean, Is that what you did? pretty much we just, you know, put our heads down and work as a team in the equipment room to get things done throughout the whole COVID season. Mm-hmm. It was it was definitely definitely a challenge, but we got it done with some help from people around the administration. Mm-hmm. They definitely helped us out a lot on the administration side, and definitely gave us you know encouragement that we can do it and get it done. And we got it done for the whole COVID season. So Brady takes care of all the Olympic sports. All Olympic sports. So pretty much everything except football. Yes, everything except football. And then you've got eight to 10 staff. Yes. That helps. So what we really ought to probably talk about, Mike, is the truck. The truck. How that goes. Because I didn't know when we got into this. (laughs) I have a pretty good understanding about it now. But our audience, 
is going to be most interested in the truck, what goes in there, and why we need a gigantic 18-wheel semi to take this traveling circus on the road to wherever we happen to be going. So let's talk about a, a week of an away game. Me and Mike have seen the inside of the trailers, and they're chucked full when you're all done. At what point during the week do you start packing? So the week before, say we have a Saturday game, as soon as we fly back, we're already getting ready for the next game. So Sunday you're starting to prep for? Well, we're kind of prepping already the weeks ahead. Usually like, yeah. So so do you you pack that so that like you're already, so you ain't got to unpack everything. It's some of the stuff you can leave on the trailer for the next away game. Some some stuff. Some stuff you can. We're very blessed at Utah State University that we have multiple color uniforms, multiple color helmets, multiple color face mask, multiple color different cleats and socks and accessories. Mm-hmm. So based on each week, when we pretty much come home from a game, we have to change out everything if we're changing a color. So if we're changing color, we literally have to change out the pretty much almost the whole truck mm-hmm. because not just the player's gear gets changed, coaches too. So the coach's attire will change because we try to get offset from the players so that you cannot, so that you can see them on the sideline. Yep. You know, it's a lot easier to see yeah, them on you, the sideline. You want, if, if all the players are wearing blue, you want the coaches in white. Yes. So they stand out. Yes. Yep. So you you take care of all the coaches' stuff too? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize. So that. how many people are you dressing? Um, a hundred, hundred twenty. In a normal normal game, uh, usually we'll dress out about seventy five guys. You know, players. Give t- uh, yeah, but players. then the, the coaches and staff are another another ten to twenty, right? Uh it's more uh, around. I would say thirty guys, thirty forty. 30, 40 bodies. I got a question Holy for cow. you. I got a question for you. So there's always, this is something I've always wondered. There's always, let's say we're playing Boise. There's a Utah State person on the Boise sideline with footballs. Is that part of the equipment staff? Yes, that is a part of the equipment staff. Those are our students. I've always wondered. Yes. <laughs> there's usually students from our team that are on our side and the opposing side. Uh-huh. It's okay. And then uh, the opposite team you know has the same they have guys on their side and they have guys on our side so that they can feed in the balls to the rest you guys have your own balls yes that, we have that different your balls. offense plays with yes each quarterback is different so here's a question for you i've always wondered is there ever any concern about the ball boy listening to strategy and trying to feed it to the um I don't know if he's standing that close to the coaches. Yeah, for the most. I don't know. I've seen. I've seen. It's always the damn Ohio State ball boy is standing like right next to Scott Frost. I mean, for the most part, their their whole job is to make sure they just focus, keep track of the balls. They focus on where the balls go, and they focus on the refs. I mean, uh, that's their their whole. The refs are telling them yes. They got to feed the refs. Yes. So the whole time they're dialed in to the refs and wherever the balls go. Honestly, there's there's so much moving things that happen during the game that if you're not concentrating on those two things, 
you're going to get lost and not be able to do what you need to yeah, do. You look like a jackass out there. So, I did they check the inflation of the balls? Yes. <laughs> so, the beginning Tom Brady rule. Tom, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not quarterback for the Aggies. Yes, the beginning the beginning of the game will turn in our balls to the head referee. Usually we'll check in anywhere from 12 balls to 10 balls. Um, and then the refs will check the air pressure. The, they usually uh, initial the ball to make mm-hmm. sure that the ball is the, checked. The ref who checked it initials yes. it. Yes. And then once the balls are good, they'll bring it out to the field and give it to the ball boys and let them know that these balls are So how many checked. balls will you take to a game? I would say we take about 80 balls. Eight. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We take about 80 balls, especially – you don't know what kind of weather you're gonna deal with, so especially if it's a if it's a rain game, mm-hmm. the balls once they get soaked, they're pretty much done for. You can't play with them anymore. You, you especially can't throw them because yeah. they're they get waterlogged. Yeah. So we bring we bring about eighty balls. One, the team will go out in the beginning to warm up, so every every position needs balls, not including those balls are are not. A part of the balls we check in, because the balls that we're checking in, the game are just, balls are, are different than the balls they're practicing with yes. pregame and and at halftime. Yes, and then we also have an extra set of game balls, just in case it rains out or snows out, and the balls that we originally checked in get all waterlogged and crushed. If they if those balls are bad in the first half, then or if we knew it was a rain game, then we're allowed to check in more balls. So some some teams, you know, we'll we'll check in we'll check in like forty balls. Some teams will check in sixty, just just in case if it's a rain rain game. Wow. Yeah, just to have fresh new balls to the quarterbacks. So so where you said check in, where do you keep them after? Like, do the refs have them? The somewhere? refs have them. Once so you, they check in, the refs have them. And then once a bar, ball gets waterlogged, can Somebody on Utah State staff say we don't want to use this one anymore. Get us another one out of yeah our stock. Whatever the balls that are signed by the initials by the referee, those are the balls that are legal to play with. And any of the balls that are in those bags are pretty much legal See, to play with. If they're... you can swap them out as much as you want, yeah, you can play because we in a normal game you're playing with multiple balls due to each sideline. So some balls will fly out out of bounds and you're just going to toss in another ball that you played it, mm-hmm. especially if that ball went into the stands and you can't, or it's a, it's a hurry up play. Mike caught it. He's never going to give it back to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, some, <laughs> sometimes we lose balls that go up into the stands and you know, they, they never come back. Yeah. So you got to have extra balls just in case things like that happen. So how many games will you use a ball for before it, Goes to be a practice ball or gets retired altogether, I guess. Just depends. Just depends on how how much the ball is played with. And usually from week to week, we'll have the quarterback, QB1, come and check out all the balls that he wants. He'll pick, handpick each ball that he wants to play with for the game. And then we'll set that aside in the game bag. And then when we get to wherever the location is, We'll give it to the head ref so you can check it. Th- this whole thing is fascinating. So how many balls a year do you go through? 
couple hundred. Yeah. A couple hundred for sure. And they're like, I don't know if you've ever bought footballs before, but these game balls are using are a hundred bucks. A piece. Yeah. They're expensive. Um, like, like we're talking 20,000 a yeah. year on footballs. Yeah. That we yeah. haven't even bought a helmet. That's two or 300 bucks. Yeah. Ads that are the ball, the ball in, in general is, is very expensive and there's things you can do to the ball now. You know, you can put logos on it. Mm-hmm. You can do different colors. Some teams I've seen have multiple balls that have different logos on it. So yeah. if you're a school that is blessed with a lot of money, <laughs> usually they'll have different emblems on each ball. So they'll play with different balls. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So, so when we load up to go to a game, apparently we have 100 balls or so. Seems like somewhere in that neighborhood. We'll have a hundred twenty or thirty helmets. Because we have seventy yes. plus backups. Yes. We have all the shoulder pads and backups with those two uniforms mm-hmm. and pants and undershirts and socks and cleats. Everything you see on the field during a football game. The equipment managers pack all that stuff that you see. So for equipment managers, a player and a coach on the field are bodies. And we pretty much dress them out. And everything they possibly could need for a game, we give it to them. Anywhere from pens, clipboards, um, headsets, towels. And it all goes in the truck. Yes, all goes <laughs> into the truck. Yeah. And then from the helmet, shoulder pads, everything you see on the field, we pack all of that and extra just in case. Um, being an equipment manager, we pretty much play the if game like no other. And we always want to be prepared for whatever may be thrown. Any type of curveball comes our way, we want to be able to get on top of it. So... So anything you see on the field, that can include a bike, yes. stationary bike or two, heated seats. Yep. Heated benches. Uh, the heated benches we had to deal with last year. All the trainers, all the trainers gear. The trainer table. Yep. Uh, if you see the coach wearing a headset. Comm systems. Comm systems in the trailer. Yes. I, Coolers. I, I don't know about Mike. You know. I am scared this when I am driving that equipment i am scared to death it is the most precious thing i have ever hauled on my truck you don't want to be the guy that wrecks with the equipment truck (laughs) (laughs) and we came over that's a tough one man so so the 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 wyoming game that got canceled for covid last year we sat in laramie waiting till the wind went down and we sat there so long by the time we got to logan canyon it was snowing there was Two or three inches of snow on the ground. And I was driving. <laughs> I got a great he took a great picture out the windshield. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a snowy <laughs> like Right. But I was I was pissing my pants all the way down Logan Canyon. Don't be the guy that wrecks Utah State's football equipment. Don't yeah. don't be the guy. Don't be that guy. Yeah, that trip was something else. Well, because we had to, we left early. We left the night before because we didn't want <laughs> to catch the, the wind. wind. 
So we and we still got stuck in the wind. Yeah. But we ended up driving around. So that night he you know, we, we left probably ten hours earlier than you really wanted us to leave, trying to beat the wind. And we actually got off the interstate about a hundred miles before Laramie and took Highway 30. He was driving and I was sitting in the passenger seat pretty nervous. It was it was bad. The wind it, was bad was that windy. night. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the guys that lay this over. I, it, it probably won't be too bad. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, it's so much fun though. It's, um, yeah, it's the neatest thing I've ever done in trucking. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. It's so cool. Yeah. And so anyway, after we got to Laramie, <laughs> we went to sleep cause it was like two and two, three in the morning and we slept for like four or five hours, got up, went to breakfast. And that's when you text this and said, you can come on back. The game's canceled. Yeah. That's but of a... course the freeway was closed because of the wind. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough call. That was a tough call to call you guys and let you guys know that the game is canceled and you guys have to drive back after you guys just got there. So that was a tough one. That was definitely yeah. the first one I've ever have to deal with before what, like what was, at all. I, I did want to ask you this question. What's the most um, challenging thing you've ever had to deal with as an equipment manager? Not, not the COVID stuff, you know, last year, last year was an exception. Like um, somebody needs this or we don't have that. You know, a lot of times I'm, I'm a big football guy. So I'll hear, oh, they've got the wrong cleats for the conditions. Like what's the most challenging thing you've had to deal with as a, as a football equipment manager? I see one of the toughest things as equipment manager is, is one dealing with everyone, you know, you, you deal with a lot of different personalities. So, you know, anywhere from 150 people you see in a day and you're trying to take care of everyone. Um, but, Sometimes, you know, things, a player's having an off day. So, you know, you just want to make sure you take care of them as much as you can with whatever they need mm -hmm. and just go out to practice and try and give as much energy as you can. So that's, yeah. that's always a, a tough one is dealing with all the different personalities. Everyone's so different. So are the, do the equipment guys almost become cheerleaders during practice? For the most part, we're helping so each student of mine is designated to a player position. So one kid is at O-line, one kid is at D-line, one is at wide receivers, one is at QB and so forth. And each kid is helping the player specific coach for whatever drills that need to go on. So I wouldn't say they're cheerleaders because most of the time they're quiet and just doing whatever needs to be done for the coach, anywhere from snapping balls to setting up pop-ups and agiles and helping them run the drill as best they can in the time limit. So are they the, does like the student, they're O-line all year long or they're the Yes, whole, all year long. So they almost, they probably become a little attached. Definitely. To that De position. Definitely. Um, being in this career, you know, when I was when I started off at a student, 
whatever position you're in, you, you pretty much become family to them. They realize that you're there all the time with them throughout the whole fall camp of grinding, throughout the whole season, through the off season. So, you know, you build a big relationship with the coaches and the players of that position. So at the same time, you know, yeah, you work for them. They look at you as family. So they they make sure that everything is taken care of, whatever you need. You know, people aren't blatantly trying to make things harder for you as a student. Mm-hmm. So you you spend so much time with them that they look at you as family instead of just just a anybody. They're kind of in a a, a fragile state too. That I've moved away from home. You know. 20, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old. It's, it's a weird time. College is, college is hard, super hard. And it, it's got to be 10 times worse trying to be a student athlete. And then your students are the same age. Your, your, your trainers are the same age as these players too. So I can see how they, I suppose you become lifelong friends. Yes. They definitely build a tight relationship with the players mm-hmm. and, um, you know, usually go on with life afterwards and, you know, some people stay in touch. Yeah. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome. I, I, I can't say enough good things about you, the program up there. We've had a blast doing it. I, I, I love, I love hauling the equipment. We're not making a damn dime. <laughs> Doing it, yeah. We're, we're, we we get some exposure. I actually I brought the the trailer over to Gosner's and I dropped it off today because I'm going to use it on Wednesday. Mountain Crest and Ridgeline are having driver's ed classes, and I had a guy today going up Tenth West past me, and he's staring. You know, I could I, I looked because he was kind of going slow coming up alongside of me, and then when he gets up, gives me the the. The bullhorns. <laughs> it's so cool driving that truck and trailer. It's so cool. So much fun. Thanks so much yeah. for coming on the podcast. Hey, thank you for being, you I'm know, our, our truck drivers. You know, you got more questions, Mike? Well, maybe. Your I mean, wife's I here. I need to go grab another drink, though, and we'll come right back. Well, I down. need to pee, and your wife is here. <laughs> okay, just call timeout. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay, we can call timeout. That's fine. All right. was a really good segment with Bo Bates. So one thing that uh, I didn't realize, even all year last year when we were hauling the equipment, is everything you see on the sidelines. If you watch a game on TV, every single thing you see on the sidelines, except the human being himself, was hauled on the truck there, right? The, the away team. So we have every stitch of clothing a coach is wearing, uh, the sideline personnel, all the players, obviously, all their equipment. So it's not just, you know, helmet, shoulder pads, pants, all the radio equipment, everything they drink. That That's one thing that me and Mike about killed ourselves last year at the first game in Boise, trying to unload drinks at the hotel. We didn't have any help to do it because of COVID. It was, mm-hmm. last year was totally weird. Mike about c- got crushed by a cart full of Gatorade. The first game. No no joke. 
I told him, man, if we lose control of this thing, you got to bail. And I bailed and he didn't. <laughs> he was trying like crazy. He's a super fan. They would have had to honor him. <laughs> he would have had. Well, anyway. <laughs> they all would have held up three fingers for how tall he is. <laughs> That's so mean. I love Larson. Mike Larson is one of my favorite human beings. <laughs> All right, Grace, we got a question from the road this week. The question from the road comes from the man himself, Val Stokes. Oh! In truck 678. Val Stokes does have a truck assigned to him. Yep. <laughs> and the question is... Is the USU truck going to be at the Utah State Games? Is this referring to home games? Home, well, yeah, it's going to be at every game. So, obviously, we're going to haul the equipment to the away games. Stokes Trucking is sponsoring Utah State football this year. We're actually one of the, quote, Big 8 sponsors, they call them. So, we're going to have signage in the end zone on the pads. There's going to be a Stokes Trucking emblem there if whoever scores, whether it's Utah State or or the visitor team, if they score in the south end zone, you'll see the Stokes Trucking logo. We're also going to have radio ads playing during the game. Uh, pre-game, post-game, in-game, there will be an in-game read. We're going to be sponsoring something like, you know, keys to the game or something like that during the pre-game. And one game during the season will... Actually, I'll probably it's probably gonna be me. <laughs> we'll do like a radio segment, right? In game, you know, talking about Stokes trucking for a few minutes. But we're also going to be in the fan zone, they call it. So in front of the stadium, on the west side of the stadium, the street that runs between the stadium and Blue Square Apartments, they close that out off for the home games. Mm-hmm. And they have like kids games you know there's like little kids zone uh i think that's where they might have like stuff for usu students yeah there's a radio station set up things like that we are going to have the utah state football truck set up in that fan zone and we're also going to have a couple tailgate spots adjacent in the parking lot to the truck we're planning on you know, having hot dogs and hamburgers and all that good stuff at our, t- we're going to have a tailgate for every game. Unfortunately, this year, there are three games that are Fridays. Mm-hmm. So we have several drivers that won't be able to make it to the Friday no. games. Um, they're Friday afternoons or Friday evenings, I should say. One of the, so that only leaves three Saturday games. One of those Saturday games is a 10 a.m. game. It's the Boise State game, which is also the same day as your brother's wedding. Oh. So I'm going to be able to go to the tailgate. Will you? I will. And then come home. I won't be able to go to the game that day. Come home after the tailgate's all done and cleaned up. You could have it playing in the living room. Um, oh, the game will be over before the wedding starts. The wedding is oh, until really? 3 in the afternoon. The game's at 10. It's going to oh, be over yeah. by 1 or one thirty. Yeah, no, the game will be long over. I could actually probably go to, almost go to the game. <laughs> I might get in a little trouble. <laughs> if you're a Stokes Trucking employee, um, we are going to have a 
Stokes Trucking Day. So hopefully the weather's good. And this is going to be for them and their families. We're going to provide tickets for whoever wants to come to that game. Now, for whatever reason, you and your family can't attend that game. Just get with me or Mike Larson. We'll get you tickets for a different game. Whatever game you want to go to. Some of those might be pretty costly. Like, they play both Boise State and BYU at home. Those are going to be the most expensive tickets all year long. I'm not two. excited to play BYU. BYU on campus. BYU is excited. F- for it's that. a Friday night game. It should be a fun game, especially. It, it will be a fun game, but if, man, if Utah State is winning, and they the week before is the Boise State game, if they happen to be, you know three and two or four and one going into the BYU game, it's going to be a big, like that's going to be a big game for Utah state. Now they open the season at Washington state power five school. uh, It's going to be a toughie. Next game is North Dakota on a Friday here. So have I been to North Dakota? You've never been to North Dakota, but they're coming here. I was just, I was talking about the states we I've been to with a coworker of mine. Yeah. And I was like, I've been to, You've been to South, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. She was like, have you ever been to the North? And I'm like, no. no. She was like, I've never been that far east. <laughs> South Dakota. <laughs> Jesus. It's not east. Anyway. We do a week off. Me and Mike are traveling to Nebraska that weekend to watch Nebraska play Michigan. Mike's going to watch the Huskers. Mike and Mike and his son Britton, who are both on the podcast, are going to come with me to Lincoln to watch Nebraska. Wow. Anyway, drivers, employees, any game you want to attend, you and your family, not just you, get with us. We'll get you tickets. So anyway, what a great podcast, right? Go Aggies. Go hashtag go Aggies. Uh, thanks again for downloading and listening to another episode of Driver to Driver, a Stokes Trucking Podcast. This was episode 18. Episode 19 is probably going to be uh, an interview with our insurance agent. Ooh. Actually, agents. Ah. Rand and Mark Austin. Father, son. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So Rand's been selling Val Insurance since the beginning. 40 years. No joke. And Rand is starting to slow down. Um, Mark hasn't officially taken over our account, but it's trending that way. So I'm interviewing those two uh, in a week and a half, if I remember right. We're going to do that over at the office. So looking forward to that one. Rand, again, just like Val, Jim Tarbett, some of these guys I've had on, uh, you know, a wealth of knowledge way back to the beginning. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Be sure to rate and review Driver to Driver. It helps more people find us and help more listens equal more drivers. Yep. (laughs) We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Driver to Driver, a Stokes Trucking podcast. For more information on Stokes Trucking, please visit our website, stokestrucking.com. You can also learn more about us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Stokes Trucking. The intro and outro music is I Can't Keep Still. The bumper music between segments is Fetch Me Another One, both performed by the Caffeine Creek Band. Driver to Driver is a Frankfurter Studios production.